Good morning. We're going to get into our next story in the book of Acts in a second. Acts is this history book of the early church, of the Christians at the very beginning of Christianity. Those people who first of all followed Jesus after his death, after his resurrection, after his ascension and the giving of the Holy Spirit. This is the story of how the church was born and what happened in the earliest days. We're going to look at Acts chapter 3 today, a really interesting story. So you could maybe flick that up if you've got a Bible in front of you. Acts chapter 3. Um, and as we go there, let me ask you a question. I wonder if you've ever missed something, something that was really, really obvious that you really shouldn't have missed. Uh, I often get scared in the car when you, you feel a sneeze coming on and you know your eyes are going to be shut for a, a couple of milliseconds, but that's enough time for you to drive a little bit, especially on the motorway. It's quite a distance. It's scary to think how things are going to develop. What are you going to miss? Or uh, I remember uh, when I was a teenager, having a Saturday job and then earning money to go out skiing in the winter with a friend of mine. We would take these coach trips, overnight coach trips, all the way down to the Alps. Uh, and we had to try and sleep on the coach and it would be hours and hours and hours and hours driving through France, driving through the flat country, and then you'd fall asleep eventually and you'd wake up and all of a sudden there were mountains there, huge mountains that seemed like they'd come out of nowhere, like you'd missed them. Where did those come from? Um, or... I heard the story of a student at my university, I think it was in even my own halls of residence, a few years before, who had cooked some pasta for dinner, just turned up at university, hadn't cooked much in the past, decided to have pasta for dinner, put some pasta in a saucepan, put it on the hob, and went to chat to a friend or do some work in his room or something like that. Smelled a bit of smoke, ended up burning down the whole flat. I don't think anybody got hurt, so it's not a tragic story. I ended up burning down the whole flat because they forgot to put water in the saucepan. Just pasta and metal and heat and predictable results. It went up in flames and burned the flat down. It's an obvious thing, isn't it? I mean, everybody knows you cook pasta by putting water with the pasta and boiling it up. Or well, maybe it's not that obvious. Maybe it's something easy to miss. I wonder if you've got something like that. Easy to miss. Shouldn't have done it. Feel really stupid afterwards. How did you miss that? Well, that's kind of what the story is about today. You've got a man, we'll read it in a second, a man who's sitting outside the temple. He's disabled. He's been like that for a long, long time. And people just walk past him. He's a piece of the furniture. They're walking past him because life has gone back to normal, but it shouldn't have gone back to normal. They shouldn't have just been wandering past this guy, you know, nodding, maybe saying hello, chucking him a couple of pennies. There should have been something different about the people, about the country, about the city, because just a few weeks before this, God had come, had been amongst them, and had died, and had risen again. And the whole church had begun. Everything should have been different, but for so many of these people, life had just gone back to normal. They'd missed something enormous. God had been with them, and they missed it. And we'll read on in the story and see that it wasn't just them who'd missed it, but the guy who was sitting at the temple, the disabled man, he wasn't really expecting anything to happen. Let me read you the story and we'll see. See if you can spot what people miss in this story. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. And apparently, if you read the history books, this really was a beautiful gate inlaid with metal, really beautifully carved. And he was sitting there maybe hoping that people heading up to the temple to pray would feel a little bit, you know, religious and, and try and flick a, a few coins into his basket. So there he is. That's where he was put every day by his friends to beg. 
from those who came into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, Peter and John were some of the early leaders of the Christians. They'd been with Jesus. He sees them about to enter. He doesn't know who they are yet, but he asked them for money like he's been asking everybody else. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us, pay attention to us. So the man gave him gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What a good gift that was, right? Taking him by the right hand, he held him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple, uh, the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is one of the signs and wonders. If you look back just a few verses, it's, um, you get a paragraph that describes what the church's life was like, what they were taught, what they did day by day, praying and sharing food together, sharing all that they had together. And one thing it says is that signs and wonders were done, that God was present among them by his power, doing amazing things. And then all of a sudden, the camera zooms in to this event, to this wonder that God has done. This guy wasn't expecting anything. He didn't know who was walking past him, that it, had been, that it was Peter and John, two men who'd spent years walking with the Son of God, learning from him, eating with him, abandoning him and then being forgiven by him, brought back and taught and then sent out as his leaders. He didn't know who these average guys were who were walking past him. He didn't see. Maybe he should have seen. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that obvious. He didn't know them. But Peter says, look at us. We've got something much better than what you're looking for. Much better than gold or silver or the usual things that people give you. We're able to bring God's power into your life so that you can live life to the full. See, this is a true story. It really happened. Um, these guys walked past this other guy one day on whatever day it was at the actual temple and they said these words and he miraculously stood up and started walking and jumping and praising God. And that was, I think that's an amazing thing. If you're a physio, if you've ever had any operation on your hip or your knee or any kind of a break or something like that, you know that it doesn't get fixed very quickly, right? You have an operation, you put it in a cast, you go and get some physio and month by month, day by day, if you do your exercises faithfully and carefully like the physio tells you to do, eventually it gets better. But with this guy, 40 years, it says later on, he's been a, he's been a, a disabled man, 40 years, he's never walked. And then all of a sudden, He's dancing and leaping and praising God. It's a miraculous thing that's happened here, but he wasn't expecting it. He didn't see it. He didn't know that that could happen. Peter and John bring something really unusual, something that we should ask for, something that we should seek, something that, that's possible because there is a God in heaven, because there's a God who made us with a word, who spoke us into being. We should pray for and ask for and not be too surprised when he does wonderful things, when he answers prayer, when he's present in power among his people. We shouldn't be too surprised by that. But okay, this isn't just something that happened that shows us that God is powerful and you know we can pray and ask him for this kind of thing. It's also a picture. It's also a picture of what Christian life is like. 
This is what we're learning from the wonder. Okay, one thing is we can come and ask God for this, prayer. The second thing is that there's a picture of what happens when you become a Christian, when you start to follow Jesus. What's this man like? Okay, this man is a picture of you and me. Um, sorry if this feels like a bit of a harsh picture, but it's, it's honest. It's what the Bible says about us. We're helpless. We need our friends to carry us around, to bring us on their shoulders, to help us with all sorts of things that we do day by day, and, and especially spiritually. We're not just reliant on each other for food and all that kind of stuff. We're reliant on each other spiritually. In fact, not just on each other, but we're reliant on God completely. We're beggars in his sight. There's not much going for us. All we can do is put out our hands and say, God, would you help me? I wonder how often we've done that this week. I wonder how often we've been looking to other things to help us, looking for money to rescue us and make us feel better or make us secure or help us out. Maybe looking to relationships with other people or uh, looking for for the government to help us out if, if they can. Or I don't know, there's all sorts of places that we look for help. This guy stretches out his hands and he's just expecting money to get him through the next day until he needs a bit more money. But Peter and John have something that he never expected. Something miraculous, something big and beautiful. They have the power of the Lord Jesus. They have that to bring into his life. And what does that do? What does Jesus do for this man? Well, he lifts him up out of the gutter, out of, out of helplessness and brings him to life. Do you see how that's a picture of people who are spiritually needy, like you and me are naturally? People who are spiritually looking in all the wrong places for help. People who are spiritually unable to do much for ourselves. So we can't really connect ourselves with God. All we can do is stretch out our hands and hope that he comes to us and does something, does something really wonderful. We, we can look to him and, and ask him for daily help, for daily bread. You know, give us today our daily bread like we pray in the Lord's Prayer. But we could be asking for bigger things. We should be asking for a spiritual life not just for help in this situation, not just for a bit of provision here or there. We should be asking him to pick us up again, to take the, the knees and the ankles and all the bones and sinews and muscles of our spiritual life, to bring those to life, to connect them back together, to make them strong, to do that miracle of bringing us to spiritual life. You see, this is, it's not just an encouragement to prayer, you know, ask God for big things. It's an encouragement for us to know life. It's a picture that teaches us to ask God, not just for help, but for life. So if that's you, if, if you're not somebody who calls yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus, this is kind of a picture you could pause with, a picture of your life at the moment. You could maybe think through questions like, is this really true of me? Am I somebody who's this helpless spiritually? I think when we're honest, we know we all are. Am I somebody who looks in the wrong places for help day by day? Am I, if I'm being honest, I'm just like that. So often looking for money, looking for help, looking for the, just the advice of friends to get me through the day, forgetting that I can look to God for life to the full. Am I like that? Are you like that? Well, are you somebody who's come to him, who's stretched out your hands and not just asked for a little help day by day, but have you asked him for life, life within, that would help you to stand up straight spiritually and praise him and leap for joy. I hope you're somebody who knows that kind of life. Okay, but that's the wonder, okay? That's what we learn from it. It's something that can teach us to pray. Oh God, would you do wonderful things in our church, in our town, in our nation, in our world? 
And it's a picture of what we all should be. What we all were, helpless. And what God has done, brought us to life and health spiritually. That's the wonder. But what does Peter say that it means? Well, some of those themes that we picked out, Peter picks up because people come from miles around. People start to hear that there's wonderful things happening and they come running. They come running to a place where Jesus had been before, where Peter and John are standing now. This place called Solomon's Colonnade would have been like an avenue of um, of uh, columns made out of stone with a beautiful cedar wood roof a kind of cooler, shady place where people would just come and sit and, and eat and talk and spend time together and, and beg and, I don't know, do what you did on a hot day in the shade. Well, Jesus spent time there teaching. And not long ago before this story, just a few weeks before this, he would have been there in the city. But these people, these same people, who had heard Jesus come running, thinking it's something new and something amazing, you see they've missed the wood for the trees. Do you see that? We're getting on to um, the words, okay? If you want a little bit of structure, we've looked at the wonder. The wonder is we can ask God for anything. The wonder is he gives us spiritual life. And now the words that Peter says. What does he say? Well, look, he says, you're ignorant. You missed the wood for the trees. He was here. And what did you do to him? Let me read to you um, what Peter says from verse 11 onwards. Let's carry on. While the, men, uh, the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we've made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. You, same people, Jesus was there. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate. He was the kind of head honcho Roman ruler, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. They had a practice back in the day of, um, on particular special days, releasing a prisoner to kind of um, make the people like the Romans a little bit more or something like that. And on, those, on that day, the choice had been between, Jude, between Jesus or a guy called Barabbas, who was a real nasty character. And the people, these same people, had said, release Barabbas, murderer and send a Jesus, send Jesus to the cross. These same people, Peter says, and he's not holding back. You disowned the holy and righteous one. You asked that a murderer be released instead of him. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. We were there, we saw it. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom, we, whom you see and know was made strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Do you hear what he said? He said what we've been saying at the beginning, that it wasn't Peter and John and some special powers that did this. This was Jesus. Jesus brought his power through Peter and John into the life of this man and healed him, brought him to life. But they missed it. That's who this man was who'd been teaching in Solomon's colonnade a few weeks before, who'd been in Israel for years before. He was the one that they could have been to and gone to for life and looked and he did so many miracles. He taught wonderfully. He did amazing things and they missed it. They didn't see it. They were ignorant so much so that they asked for a murderer instead of him and then they put him to death. And he wasn't just a teacher and an interesting guy who didn't really deserve to have an early death. No, he was more than just a man. He was. Did you hear what Peter said? 
Verse 15, the author of life. How do you, can you try and get your head around that? The one who made you, who made these people, who authored them, who breathed them into being, who invented them. They killed him. They killed him. They turned their backs on him and put him to death on a cross. How do you come back from that? How on earth do you miss God walking among you? How on earth can you be asleep when there's such beautiful mountains outside? How on earth can you cook pasta without water? It's so obvious. Wake up and see it. You should have known it all along. Your creator, the one who authored you, is walking among you. And you, you didn't just miss it. You killed him. And the next bit of the story, man, this is a huge surprise. If you're a Christian and you know about forgiveness and all that stuff, it can kind of just become a bit normal to us. But listen to what Peter says next. I mean, you killed God. Is there any coming back from that? Verse 17, now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance. You see, they didn't see it. They were blind, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he'd foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah, his chosen king, would suffer. Jesus would suffer. God had planned that, seen it in advance. So what can you do? You did it in ignorance. You didn't really realise what you were doing. So verse 19 is really important. Repent. That's what you're supposed to do. Turn around. You have been walking away, ignoring, forgetting, willfully closing your eyes to the fact that God was among you, even putting him to death. But now turn around, repent, wake up. That's what that word means. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he would send his Messiah, that Jesus would come again. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Read that verse 19 again. Is there any way back? Is there anything you can do once you've killed God? Verse 19, repent. Turn to God. He came to life again. You can't kill God, not finally anyway. And he hasn't cut you off. He hasn't turned away from you. Isn't that amazing? That's what they did in ignorance, but a kind of willful, they, they should have known better kind of ignorance. They killed the author of life, but Peter says there's still a way back. I wonder if you're sitting there this morning and you've done something. Maybe you did it over and over again. And you are here, I don't know, out of a habit or just one last shot at listening to what Christians have to say. Whatever it was that you did, it was really bad. And you know that. Jesus knows that. But you know, he opens his arms to you today, right now, and says to you, come back, turn around, turn to God, so that, this is what happens, your sins may be wiped out, washed away. When, when we write today, here's some of the notes I made, when we write, we write in ink on paper, and you try and rub that out, it's almost impossible, because there's acid in the ink, there's kind of indentation on the paper. You can barely get it out. It's one of the nightmares of school, isn't it? Tipex and all the mess you make when you try and rub it out. But back in the day, back in ancient times, they wrote on papyrus with water-based ink that if you had the right kind of sponge with a bit of extra water, you could just wipe it away, start again. That's the word that's being used here, that your sins, all that you've done that feels like it sticks to you, like it's made of acid and it's burned into your soul, that you can never get rid of it. Peter says, you killed God, 
But look what you can do. Turn to him and your sins can be wiped out, sponged away, never to be remembered again. There's some beautiful verses in the Bible that say things like, God plunges our sins into the deepest part of the sea. That as far as east is from the west, it's an infinite distance, you can never measure it. That's how far he's separated us from our sins, completely wiped away that he chooses. Though he knows everything, he chooses to forget them. Wiped away once and for all. Isn't that good news? Turn to him and whatever you've done, it can't have been as bad as what these people have done. Whatever you've done, wake up, turn back and he'll wipe away all those sins and not only will he take them away, but look what he'll give you. Wipes away all your sins, halfway through verse 19, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Isn't that good news? This is the word that Peter wants you to hear today. This is what he wants you to see in that wonder. He wants you to see that God loves you, that God is powerful. And those two things are really good news. That God is powerful to raise up a guy and to give him physio, months of physio just like that, to fix his legs that had never worked so he could walk and dance and praise him. That's amazing power. Amazing power fused together with deep love for a guy who didn't even know what he was looking for. What about us? People like us who've turned our backs on God, who've been a part of a world that has tried to delete him, to kill him, to wipe away every memory of the author of life. What has he done for us? Well, he's used his power to come to us, the Lord Jesus, to come to us into our world, to die for us, to wipe away all of our sins, and then to rise again, to give us refreshing to wipe all that mess, that acidic, soul-staining mess away, and then to raise you up and say, come on, walk, leap, praise God. You can be refreshed. Isn't that good news? I think that's good news. I think that's a wonderful thing, not just that God does for this disabled guy thousands of years ago, but it's something that God can do for us today. Something that God has done to many of us at Amonford today. So if you're sitting there and still thinking, oh, I'm not sure this is for me. Maybe you've got lots of questions. Maybe you've got loads of doubts. Maybe you've got lots of things you're really not sure about, but do you see Jesus? Is there just a tiny little, I don't know, tiny little seed-sized trust in your heart in him? Well, come to him, don't hold back. Come to him, ask him your questions. Come and find some Christians and say, oh, look, I'm not sure, these are my doubts. These These are what I'm still wondering about. Could you help me? Just a little seed-sized trust in Jesus is all you need to turn back to him, to have all that past, that mess wiped away and to have a time of refreshing and a real future to look forward to. Our time is pretty much gone. So let me pray. Um, And as I pray, maybe you want to echo this in your heart. Maybe you've been a Christian for yonks and you just feel a bit Oh, a bit run down, like you need refreshing. Well, will you come to Jesus again? Would you remember that he's the one who gives stuff that's way better than money, way better than possessions, way better than silver or gold, anything you could ask? He is better. Ask him to come and refresh you again, to straighten up, to strengthen those old legs and, and muscles of our souls. We get tired, don't we? Well, come and be refreshed by him again. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe today is the day for you to reach out your hands, not just ask him for a little bit of help next time you're in a crisis, but to reach out to him and say, God, I've got lots of questions still, but I want to trust you. I want to know you. I want to be walking and leaping and praising you. I want to be refreshed.
Let's pray. Lord God, we do want to be refreshed. We want our sins to be washed away. We want to be standing up straight in your presence, spiritually healthy people. Lord, we, we want to be that as a church. So we ask that you would do that for us, that you'd make us this community of people who, who give much better than silver or gold to everyone around us, that we would give them Jesus. Lord, would you make us people like that? And for those of us listening who don't know you yet, Lord, who are still waiting in the shallows, getting ready to take the plunge, not really sure if it's worth it yet. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would help us to see that the same God who, who picked up and healed this man and gave him such joy in physical health, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to know that you are that same God who can give us that kind of spiritual health. And then we can come to you and ask you for help in all sorts of areas. Lord, we ask that you would help us, that you would accept us, that you'd welcome us, that you'd forgive us, that you'd help us to know all of our sins wiped away and refreshing again. Lord, we pray you'd forgive us for our sins. You'd give us everything we need to be refreshed and to be spiritually healthy. And you lead us to pour that same spiritual life out to those around us like Peter and John did that day. Amen.